Good morning, Rich Church. Morning. Oh, come on. Come on. Good morning. <laughs> All right. So if kids want to head to Reach Kids, they can do that. All right. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's one of those days. Uh, <laughs> All right, so uh, we are continuing our series on Galatians, uh, but just as a, as a side note, uh, we did officer elections this last Sunday, and just want to say that all five officers were, were elected. They are now, uh, we now have, yeah, that's exciting. So now we have uh, three new deacons and two new elders. Uh, so these are, uh, you kind of thank them that they're willing to step into this role. This is, uh, this is a, these are big roles. This is uh, a lot of responsibility and leadership in the church. And so um, encourage them in that. And um, yeah, give your, give your submission willingly uh, as, they, as they serve the Lord. So uh, today, today we're going back to Galatians, actually. We're going back to Galatians. Um, I know, we went away for a week and and we almost had a rebellion on our hands. So, because uh, we're right, we're kind of right at the turning point uh, where the theology now becomes practical, and we ask ourselves, okay, how does how does the the reality of of the gospel, according to what Paul has laid down in Galatians, how does that change our lives? How does that move us towards obedience and towards faithfulness? Now, we already said that we are we're saved by grace and not by works. We're saved by grace and not by works. We already said that we are saved by faith and not by the law. That we are freely given all of the benefits that are in Christ. And we cannot earn them. If we try to earn them, then we actually destroy ourselves. So how then, how then does that translate into us actually pursuing obedience? Now some of you, some of you have deduced that maybe we aren't supposed to pursue obedience at all. All right. We do not throw out our pursuit of obedience at all. Okay, that is, not, that is not the application of Galatians. If you thought that that was going to be the application here, you don't ever have to pursue obedience, or you don't, you don't ever pursue sanctification. Uh, no, that's not, that's not the case. All right. We do, we do throw out any kind of works, any kind of obedience, as the requirement to, to be saved, to be justified, to stand before God. All of that's already done. But we are called to then live out of that reality and give glory to Jesus Christ. And we don't give glory by doing nothing. We give glory by joyfully obeying him, putting him on display in now obeying, not because we have to, because we want to love Christ well. All right. Now, in all this, we have to make a lot of distinctions. We have to... We have to be careful, because it's really easy to slip back into works, and suddenly everything that we've talked about in Galatians is now out the window because you feel like you need to try harder tomorrow, and you might feel like you're not a good enough Christian. No, not at all. That's not the point. The point is, how do we live under faith and under grace in such a way that, that obedience flows from us, not to earn anything, but to reflect a real love for Jesus Christ? Now that's where, once again, we have, uh, we have one more dichotomy here. So we've talked about grace and works. we talked about law and faith. And we have this last one now. We live according to either the flesh or the spirit. The flesh or the spirit. 
our flesh in and of ourselves or the Holy Spirit given to us by Christ. Two ways to pursue obedience. And we're going to talk about those two ways. We're going to talk about what it looks like to walk in the flesh versus walk in the Spirit today. We're going to talk about what the desires of the flesh are and the desires of the Spirit. And finally, we're going to do some practical kind of discussion about what it looks like to actually walk in the Spirit. With the conclusion that ultimately, like, we live by faith and by grace, and we actually live according to them. We live by those standards. We live under those blessings. And if we really believe that those things are true, then we want to love Jesus. We want to delight in Jesus. We want to pursue Jesus. And that's the road to real sanctification. That's the road to real obedience. So we have a lot to, uh, a lot to get straight and a lot to maybe make, make minor fixes of, maybe, maybe totally change how you think about things. Uh, so let's read, read Galatians 5, verses 16 through 18. Now you notice it's a short passage because we're going to hit this a couple times. Uh, I don't want to just fly through this and you forget about it in, uh, in a week. So we're going to start really small with Galatians 5, verses 16 through 18. Read with me. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we are not under the law. We thank you that we are given power from, from you to be free from the desires of the flesh. Father, I ask that you would make these things clear to us. And Father, we ask that ultimately we would we'd end up loving Jesus and delighting in Jesus, and worshiping Jesus far more than anything else in our lives. Father, would you give us freedom from sin, not that we may be pure before you, because we already have that, but we might be ones who really do put you on display and give you all the glory that is due for all that you've done. We praise you, and we ask that you would help us in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so first... First, we have uh, this, this dichotomy. How do we live according to the flesh versus the spirit? Two ways of living, two ways of pursuing obedience, two ways of, of walking the Christian life and, and trying to pursue obedience. And verse 16 goes like this, But I say, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. All right, so I always say there's, there's not a silver bullet, but this sounds a lot like a silver bullet. <laughs> If you get the Spirit, if you walk according to the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, you really won't gratify all of our sinful desires. And that's where we ask, okay, like, I, I want to know how to do this. This is the, this is the key. But uh, oftentimes, it, you're disappointed with Paul sometimes because he's like, why didn't you lay it out? You're like, oh, oh, that sounds great. How do you do that? What does he mean? So we're first going to kind of carefully parse out, all right, what does it mean to, to walk in the flesh versus walk in the spirit? All right, so we're going to start with the, the spirit, or sorry, we're going to start with the flesh, 
just because we're more used to that one. Uh, we do that one every day, naturally. So what happens when we are walking according to the flesh? All right, first, what it doesn't mean. What it doesn't mean. All right, to walk according to the flesh doesn't mean to sin. It doesn't mean just to sin. Because then it would say, oh, if you, if you sin, then you'll sin. Or if you want to sin, then you'll sin. Uh, and that's often how we read these kind of passages. In John, it talks about, oh, if you, if you walk in the darkness, then, then you'll, you'll naturally sin. And he's supposed to, like, all these passages try to help us understand something. Not just say, if you're a sinner, you'll sin. Or if you want to sin, then you'll probably sin. Uh, no, he's trying to help us understand, okay, what kind of life, what kind of mentality, what kind of faith leads us naturally down the road to sin? And that's, that's what he's getting at. So we want to get some more information so that we can walk according to the Spirit. So we stop walking according to the flesh. All right? Too often we're like, oh, I guess I was walking to the flesh because I sinned. Uh, but we don't really know what that means. And we stop there. So it's not just that. And secondly, it's not just uh, to walk according to the flesh doesn't just mean um, that I was somehow like primitive or unspiritual, that I, I indulged the, the desires of my flesh, the carnal desires. That's, that's not what we're talking about. I wish it were that simple, and we just had, had to rise above our, our bodies. No, it's because there, there's sins of the flesh that he talks about, things like, like hatred and jealousy and envy. All right, these are not animalistic sins. These are, these are really deep intellectual, emotional spiritual sins. All right, so then, then what does it mean? What does it mean? You're like, you don't care what it doesn't mean. You want to know what it does mean. Uh, so what does it mean? All right, to walk according to the flesh is to live as if you have to attain everything by works. That's what it means. To live by the flesh is to, to live under this mentality that whatever I get, I need to earn and I need to work for, and I need to take for myself. Now that's why it's, it's the flesh, because you can do it yourself. And it's fundamentally in this mentality that, like, if I'm going to get it, I'm, I need to work for it. And therefore, it's, it's the living in the mentality that, how do I get the blessings of God? How do I get the blessings in life? Uh, ultimately, it's anything but grace, Anything but faith and anything but Jesus. That the path towards real obedience is that I, I need to try hard. The path towards joy or comfort or whatever we're pursuing, we do it by working. That's what it looks like to walk by the flesh. That's why later in Galatians, Paul says that uh, he equates the, the walking in the spirit as being free from the law. Which kind of implies that if we're walking in the flesh, we are still under the law. That whatever we're pursuing, whatever we want, we don't pursue it in Christ. We pursue it in ourselves and our ability to, make, to attain it by human means. All right. Does that make sense? Are we seeing that this is more than just saying, uh, I guess I just acted like a sinner. I walked according to the flesh. No, it's that you're interacting with life in a certain way a works-based approach to life that totally disregards Jesus, that disregards uh, 
all of the promises that are here. Walking according to the flesh, fundamentally, it cries out, it cries out, it says, I can do it, I will do it, I don't need help. Leave me alone, Jesus. All right, this is one of Remy's favorite phrases is, no, I want to do it. All right, and you're like, I want to put you in the car because it's going to take you five minutes. But like, he throws his tantrum, I want to do it. That's what it means to live according to the flesh. I want to do it. And we cry that out to God, and we cry that out to the world, and we go and we do it. And we make a mess of it, honestly, uh, unsurprisingly. Uh, The flesh. Whatever you're desperately working for, you're living according to the flesh. All right, so that takes us then to walking according to the Spirit. What does it mean to walk according to the Spirit? It's just the opposite. Instead of, I have to do it, I receive it by faith and by grace. I receive it by faith and by grace. That I pursue the things that, not even that I want, I, I live under the reality that things are given to me freely in Jesus, and I believe those things by faith. And I believe that I receive them, not because I've done anything, but because they are given to me in grace. And I trust Jesus Christ, not myself, to attain them. That's what it looks like to walk according to the Spirit. Now, that's where we can, we can say that we believe in grace. We say that we have faith. But when the rubber hits the road, do we really? Where, how do we actually pursue things? How do we actually try to find life? How do we actually look for, for joy? Do we look for these things in what we can attain, or do we look for them in Christ? Do we put our faith in promises? Do we receive these things by grace? Are we looking ultimately to Jesus or ourselves? That's the difference between walking according to the flesh and walking according to the Spirit. Now, that shouldn't be too surprising to us because the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is, is all about Jesus. The Holy Spirit's focus is Jesus. And what is his work? His work is to apply the work of Jesus to our hearts and to our lives. That Jesus is is making us actually live according to these things. That's what it looks like to walk according to the Spirit. And therefore, it's it's the opposite of works. It's not saying I have to do it. It's that Jesus Christ did it for me. He died for my sins. He promises me contentment and joy and life and peace that he has given me everything that I need. I don't need to go fight for it. All right. Thankfully, we have the Holy Spirit to help us with that because we don't naturally do it. We have God supernaturally working in us to help us believe by faith and grace that Jesus Christ will give it to us. Now, that takes us to to this next question. Uh, what are the desires of the flesh versus the desires of the spirit? The desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit. And I think it'd be kind of superficial if we just said, you know what, the desires of the flesh are sin, and the desires of the spirit are, are obedience. Uh, I wouldn't say it, it's quite that easy. Now, he does, he does help us out uh, about these desires, 
For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. All right. Once again, Paul, not super helpful. Uh, he didn't define it. He just said that they're against each other. So we, we have to do some work here. Um, if, the, if the flesh is all about you doing the work, then what does the flesh desire? And ultimately, the flesh desires independence. The flesh desires self-sufficiency. The flesh desires to, to earn it for myself so I get the glory. That if I do it, then I don't owe glory to anyone. And I don't have to praise God. I don't have to thank him. I don't have to worship him. That I can be independent. Now, this is reflected in Romans 1, 21 through 23. Uh, we see that a perfect description of, of people doing this. For all they, although they knew God, and it says that they knew him in his, his divine attributes, they knew him as he was, but although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Now, this is, these are people who, even though they, they knew God, they didn't want to receive things from him. They wanted to work for them themselves. They loathed thanking God for things and depending upon God for things. And so instead of, and to free themselves from that, that need to glorify God, instead they do it themselves. Now, uh, really quickly, really quickly, we see in the flesh that we don't really have everything that we need. That we don't have the joy that we want, we don't have the contentment, we don't have the peace or the comfort. And so, what happens We don't want to worship God, so we take the next best thing. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. All right, we make these alliances with, with, idol, with idols. And we, we run towards idolatry because idols will let us work for it. They'll let us work for it. Because what do idols do? They enslave us. They enslave us and they, they trap us, but they're all too content with our, our desire not to glorify God and instead to, to glorify ourselves and to say, yeah, I can do it. Even as we're digging ourselves into this hole and the idols are, are kind of tightening their grip around our necks. That's what we prefer instead of giving glory to God. That's why we walk according to the flesh because we'd rather do it ourselves and depend upon him. All right. It, it's hard to, to admit, but that, that really is, I think, the reality of my heart oftentimes. That when I'm standing for God, I can say, I can, I can wait and I can trust, but uh, I really have more trust in myself, and, and I will do it myself, and I can pursue it myself, then I'm in control forgetting that I'm really just enslaving myself to idols. They're in control. That I'm enslaving myself to them. All right, so then, if that's the desire of the flesh, what is the desire of the Spirit? What is the desire of the Spirit? All right, the desire of the Spirit is not to be good. That's what we always think. We, right, 
we think that Christianity is about being good, and the Holy Spirit desires for you to be good. It's more than that. It's more than that. The Holy Spirit desires Jesus, ultimately. We talk about nothing but Jesus. The Holy Spirit is into nothing but Jesus. And what the Holy Spirit ultimately desires is that Jesus gets the glory that is due his, his work on the cross. That Jesus gets the praise that he deserves. That Jesus is delighted in for his character because he is so amazing and so beautiful and so captivating. And that, that's ultimately where, where we are trying to get. It's not towards obedience, it's towards actually loving Jesus and delighting in Jesus. And by faith, living by faith and living by grace and saying, wait, this is the God that I'm worshiping. This is the God who loves me. This is the God who is interacting with me on a daily level and he is pouring out an abundance of grace upon me. And he calls me a, a son and a daughter and he is working all things for my good and he is kind and he is generous and he is honest and he is faithful. Now, all right, big danger, big danger, danger, danger of flashing lights right now. Okay. There's a potential danger here that instead of ending with worshiping Jesus, we end with seeking our idols in Jesus. Now, what does this mean? Okay, uh, we say, okay, I, I recognize that in my flesh, I pursue comfort through, through food or through alcohol or through Netflix or through sleeping in excessively, like, okay, I recognize I'm not supposed to do that. And then we say, okay, you know, you know what I'm supposed to do? I should pursue my comfort in Jesus. And we say, well, yeah, no, that, that's, that's how we're supposed to do it. All right. Who is the God in that situation that gets to be worshipped? Comfort. Comfort is the God there. Jesus is not the God. Jesus is now actually... a an idol that we're using to get to our real gods, our real love. That we're using Jesus as a means to an end of what we really want. Now, we know not to do that in certain scenarios. If we said, hey, go follow Jesus because he's going to make you rich. All right, most of you want to barf when you hear that because you know that's such a lie, that's just not true. But if I said, go follow Jesus, he'll make you happy, then you're, oh, maybe. Or, go follow Jesus, he'll give you the approval that you want. He'll give you the acceptance that you've always longed for. Now, it, it, it's, it's a little harder to decipher, oh, is, is that right or is that wrong? I do want acceptance. I do want approval. All right, if it stops there, if it stops there, there's, there'll be no power. There'll be no power. The Holy Spirit isn't excited about you being warm and fuzzy, feeling approved. Where does the Holy Spirit want this to go? The Holy Spirit wants us to go to actually worshiping and loving Jesus. And so as we live by faith in what Jesus has done, and we receive all these things by grace, they're not supposed to stop with the gift. They're actually supposed to go to understanding the character and the beauty of Jesus. That we would look at Jesus and we'd say, that is what I want. I want him. I want to be with him. I want to be in his presence. That I, yeah, I have comfort and peace. And, but you know what? I will abandon comfort and peace 
and prosperity and approval that I might worship Jesus and Jesus alone. All right, that's the key. That's the key. And it's really hard to get there, even though it's surprising because it's like, what's the key? Worship Jesus. Love Jesus. Delight in Jesus. Enjoy Jesus more than anything else. That's the desire of the Holy Spirit. That's the desire that the Holy Spirit puts in our hearts. That's what happens when we live by faith and we live under grace and we actually see Jesus who he is. We fall in love with him. All right, that's where, uh, all right, stupid analogy time. <laughs> all right, all right, we're doing a Harry Potter analogy, so strap in. Um, all right, so, uh, there's this, uh, so the first, the first Harry Potter book, uh, it's all about the Philosopher's Stone. All right, and it's this, this magic stone. It, everything has to do with magic, so sorry, it's magic. Um, and what can, what can it do? It can give you eternal life, and it can give you as much money as you need. All right, that's what the Philosopher's phone, uh, Stone does. Now, the evil guy wants to get it, and so they hide. They hide this stone in, the, in a mirror. It's called the Mirror of Erised. That's backwards for the mirror of desire. All right, and so when you look into the mirror, you see what you most desire. And so you, you might see your, your, your heart is reflected in this mirror. And the trick of the mirror is that if you want the philosopher's stone so that you can be wealthy, what will you see yourself in the mirror? You'll see yourself as wealthy. And, the mirror, and, and you're, you're trying to get the stone, and all the stone is saying is, yeah, you want wealth, good. But it doesn't give it to you. And if, it, if it, you really want to live forever, it's going to see you as young and beautiful, but you can't get the stone. But then there's a situation that Harry, the main character, he wants to get the stone, not to be wealthy, not to get eternal life, but to protect, to protect the world from that evil person getting the stone. And what does he most want? He wants just to get the stone itself, not to use it, not to get any of its gifts, to get it and to hold it and to protect it. And when he looks into the mirror, the magic happens and, it, and the stone comes and appears in his pocket. That the only way he can get it is if he wants it itself, not for the benefits it can get, not for the add-ons. All right, that's where. Are we seeing the parallel? I hope so. <laughs> Otherwise, I didn't tell the story very well. Uh, when we look into our heart's desire, why do we want Jesus? Why do we want obedience? Why do we want sanctification if it's so that we can feel better than other people? If we want to get to heaven so that we can live forever, if we want it so we can be wealthy, if we want it so we can be comfortable or get approval, we're never going to find it. And we're going to be running after the same old idols until we say, you know what, what I really want is Jesus. And I want to glorify Jesus, and I want to worship Jesus. Then actually all of the obedience, all of the joy comes pouring into our hearts and, and 
And that's the difference. That's the, the silver bullet. Is that we want Jesus for Jesus, to worship him for his sake, to love him because of how beautiful and amazing he is. All right. Now, what does this look like? What does this look like in our lives on a day-to-day basis? All right, every single day, every single day, we have, we have countless idols before us. And we have countless opportunities to give ourselves and our hopes and our joys and our pursuits into, these, into idolatry. All right, so you wake up in the morning, and you're looking at yourself in the mirror, and you're saying, okay, you're, you're, look, you're checking out your outfit. And asking yourself, okay, like, how do I look? And right there, okay, you have an idol, you have an idol standing before you. Which is, okay, uh, will I have the approval of people today? How much fear of man is going to be in my life today? How much, how much glory am I going to get from this outfit? Clothes, clothes, idols, please serve me well that I might get a little bit of glory today. All right, it's pretty stupid. It's a pretty stupid, mundane interaction, but what are we putting ourselves? We're putting our joy and our hope. We're worshiping ourselves, the approval of people, our appearances, our vanity, all these things. All right, at that moment, that's when we're called to say, you know what, no. No, I'm not going to worship myself today. And today I'm not going to live for the approval of people. I'm not going to live for my glory. I'm going to live for the glory of Jesus. And Jesus, like, you are far more beautiful than I will ever be. (laughs) And you became far uglier on the cross to save me from my sin. And I see the beauty of who you are. And I would rather, I would rather look at you than think about how much people should be looking at me. And that's why we're not looking for, for our glory in Jesus. No, we're looking for Jesus' glory and delighting in him and loving him. And that's where you have 100,000 opportunities and realities day by day by day, second by second. What am I enjoying the most? Am I enjoying Jesus? Am I loving Jesus? Am I delighting in Jesus? And if we're honest with ourselves, we can say that, you know what? I think I, I didn't really delight in Jesus very often today. I think I delighted in my lunch and my, my work, and I delighted in Netflix today, and I, I delighted even in, in, in my job because maybe I'll get some meaning and purpose. And the reality is there's 100 million idols before us, and our job, our job is to kill all of them until we have nothing but Jesus to kill them one by one by one and recognize, oh, I'm putting my hope in this and this is futile, this is stupid. I'm going to put my my hope back in Jesus and love Jesus and delight in Jesus, not this thing. Now, uh, some doubts, some doubts about these things. First, first, a lot of you, and me included, I'm I'm one of you, uh, all right, we, we say to ourselves, but aren't these good things? Aren't these good things? Like, isn't it okay to, to be concerned about my outfit today? 
Isn't, is it okay that I ask the question, well, how, how will people receive me today? All right. That's where we have to, have to look at our hearts and say, what am I really delighting in? What's the joy of my heart today? What, where's my hope? And to be really honest and say, you know what? It's not in Jesus. And if it's not in Jesus, there'll be no power to glorify God. I'm not, I'm not even doing what I'm called to do. I'm called to, to worship. And so it's not about if it's good or bad. The question is, am I, am I really delighting in Jesus? Am I connected to him? Am I seeing his beauty and all that he's done in the cross? Am I loving him and worshiping him? And you're going to start to see that all these things that you thought were, were okay are actually idols and we're, we're crushed under them. And we can admit, okay, you know what? I, I don't realize, I don't think I delight in Jesus that many times a day. I don't think I'm really even worshiping. Not to our shame, but to, our, to go back and then to enjoy Jesus once again. To enjoy him before everything, because all those other things we have to work for, we have to kill ourselves for, or we can live by grace, by faith, in the promises of God. All right, second, second doubt. There's only three of these. They're not super long. Um, I know, I know, it's going long. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, doubt number two. This feels really unnatural. I don't think I'll ever be able to do this. This feels like playing mind games with myself. Uh, this is the most awkward thing I've ever heard. How am I supposed to be consciously enjoying Jesus every second of every day. Um, yes, this is the most unnatural thing you will ever do in your whole life because you are sinners in the flesh. <laughs> and what is this called, this process? This is called the process, like, is the, a new birth. Is it be a new creation. Right, you are becoming something and you are, you are loving something that you have never pursued before and you have never loved before and you have never actually practically interacted with. So yeah, this is going to be a really painful process and a really awkward process and it'll even feel kind of disingenuous. But just like, just like you, you naturally pursue the things that you love the naturally, naturally, you pursue what you want day by day by day. The goal is that, and that the promise is by the Spirit, that more and more you will naturally want Jesus and will naturally be drawn to Jesus. And we'll not be asking, like, is, is this okay or not? We'll say, actually, like, I don't, I don't care about all that stuff. I want Jesus. Give me Jesus. I want to worship him and enjoy him because I, I love him and enjoy him more than anything else. That's when the obedience just starts flowing out of us. All right, and the final doubt. Can Jesus be enough? If we commit to find our, our, that he's our only delight, he is our only hope, he is our only joy, he's the only thing that we pursue Will, he be, will we exhaust the riches of his goodness? Will we become bored with him after a while? No. We desperately will not. Like, we, have, we have, haven't scraped the surface of the beauty of Jesus Christ. 
and that all the things that you have most delighted in are, are, are gifts and are reflect, pale reflections of, of the reality of who Jesus is inherently. That whatever comfort you have ever felt is, well, pale in comparison to like the one who is comfort, who is peace and who is joy, who is pleasure, who is creativity, who is the, the source of all life and all joy. And for all eternity, the joy of heaven is not living in a perfect world. It's getting to discover all of the riches of the glory of the beauty of this Jesus and all that he's done and the lavishing abundance of his grace. So what are we pursuing? We are pursuing delighting in Jesus and worshiping Jesus and enjoying Jesus day by day by day. Let's not be content with the gifts of God. Let's not be content with, with trying to be good according to the law. Let's get Jesus and worship him and delight in him. Amen? Amen. All right. Questions? Questions? John? Yes. Right. <laughs> Signing up for those things. <laughs> All right, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. And that's where, uh, that's where we, the reality is we're battling these things. And we have two sets of desires within us. We have the desire to be comfortable and happy and avoid all this stuff, or we have the desire to, to actually glorify Jesus and, and enjoy him by worshiping him. Uh, and that's where, yeah, you'll face that struggle. We will all face that struggle. And that's where we, we delight more in Jesus. Uh, John, say more. Say more. Um, yeah, like, for example, like, outreach to people, sharing the gospel, the things that can bring joy and delight, and inherently that's not your style or your personality, that can be tough and challenging. And at the end of the day, yes, bring joy and joy to Jesus, but the thought of doing that or the process of doing that might not be comfortable, and so you don't have joy, joy and delight in that moment. Right. Right, and that's yeah, that's where that's where ultimately, John. I think we're not we're not slaves to our own joy and happiness. That we're actually slaves to to glorifying Jesus, and we're saying, you know, I I want in my heart of hearts to glorify Jesus more than I want to enjoy the process of it, even. And that I know that I that this is a this is a thing that's gonna love Jesus and please Jesus and glorify Jesus. And so, like, I'm going to bite the bullet and jump in. And, I, like, th- this was a weird week because it's like, I had opportunities where I was like, I can totally humiliate myself or, and glorify Jesus. And usually I don't, but this week I did more than normal. And, like, there's a joy there. 
and to like to to sit and know like okay I think I really did worship Jesus and I'm excited about the fact that I did it Other questions? Yeah, Denise. Okay. Right, right. No, absolutely. Right. Yeah, so there's, there's, uh, where does, what, where does Satan fit into this? Where does Satan fit into this? Have we, have we said everything in, in our discussion of this until we've, if we haven't mentioned Satan? Uh, in some sense, yes, and in some sense, no. Um, yes, the forces of darkness are constantly working against all of this and tempting us to, to run back to idols and to, to run from faith and run from grace. But I'd say that as, as Holy Spirit-filled people, we have power within us to resist those things. And that, that one little word can, can fell him. And so we, we realize we are under this oppression and we, yeah, we run forward. Um, the power of the power of the Spirit is greater than the, the power of Satan. We will fall. We will run back to grace. We will desperately depend upon the cross, um, and we'll move forward. Does that answer your question, Denise? Okay. Other questions? Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he does reveal uh, ultimately your heart, your love and your, your grace, the glorious riches of your kindness. And Father, we confess that too often, so often, we don't actually move to worship. We move to, to idol manipulation and to, to trying to get the things that we think we want and need. When, Father, you say that, say, say, delight in the Lord and, and you'll give us the desires of our heart because we'll have Jesus. He is the desire of our heart. Father, we ask that you would help us to believe that. Would you fill us with the Spirit? Would you fill us with the promises and the truths? Would you help us to, to see beyond the idols in our lives that we worship, that we look to for comfort and peace and hope? And, Father, would you give us a faith that, is beyond our understanding that we can say that we commit our whole lives to enjoying Jesus and that we'd be more joyful for doing so. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for who he is and what he has done. Father, would you, he get all the glory that he may give it to you that on that final day we may worship in fullness of joy. We pray in Jesus Christ's name.